Welcome to Mechanicspert Mystery Presents, a conversation with R.G. Belsky. R.G. Belsky, better known as Dick Belsky, is a longtime journalist and mystery novelist. He is the author of the three books in the Claire Carlson series, of which the latest one, The Last Scoop, was just released. Dick, thank you for coming on the show. Well, yeah, Bill, thanks uh, for having me. I mean, it's, it's good to be here, but... Um... Of course, I'd rather be at the Mechanics Books, uh, Mechanicsburg Bookstore in person. Uh, I've made a number of visits there to their events, and uh, it's always been great. But uh, you know, this is this is this is how we're operating in these days. So you know, we'll we'll do the best we can. Oh yeah, absolutely, Dick. How did you move from being a, you were a longtime journalist? I should tell our our folks you were a former managing editor at the New York Daily News, um, Metro editor, deputy national editor. You worked for the Star, Tabloid magazine as a news editor, and then worked at NBCNews.com. Apparently, working also yeah. working with like the Nightly News with Brian Williams, the Today Show. All you've had this great journalism career. What made you turn to Right. Uh, well, I didn't really turn to it. You know, people think, so I was in journalism 40 years from, you know, started out, you know, young and, and stayed through until uh, I left NBC a few years ago. Um, and everybody's, and now I've written four, and I've written 14 novels. This is uh, the last scoop, which is the book we're talking about that just came out is my 14th. And, and so the thing is like, oh, so you decided to leave journalism and write novels. And, uh, and I mean, that's not really what happened. I, I've been writing novels all the time I was a journalist. Uh, I, my first uh, novel was actually published back in 1985, I think. And then I published about seven of them uh, while I was working full time. And I've always, uh, I've always, uh, always been drawn to the novel writing. And I think one of the reasons it's, it's because I'm writing mysteries, it's like the opposite of what I'm doing in my job. In my job, I have, I'm like, you know, dealing with facts and I have to always make sure that everything is, is accurate and right. And this idea of being able to write about crime, but make stuff up, uh, you know, that's, that's always been fun. And, and I've, I've, you know, I've done a lot of rip from the headline stuff and, you know, when you take a crime and, you know, and then you put a twist on it and, and, and I've done it. I mean, like I did it with like, like even something as simple as not as simple, but as tragically uh, basic as John Lennon's murder, uh, you know, like, okay, he was killed by a crazy stalker, Mark David Chapman. I wrote a whole book. Well, what if, what if, what if a celebrity was murdered like that, but that wasn't it. And there was a whole other thing going on. So it gives you an opportunity to get answers that you don't always get as a, as a journalist. Yes. It's, I noticed that in the uh, last scoop because you have a murder that took place like 30 years ago in Indiana that was Indiana that was never solved and this kind of gave you a chance to treat it your own way yeah there's there's two there's two basic real life elements in the last scoop my 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 new book and basically it's it was inspired by uh the fact that as a very young journalist I was here during this uh summer of Sam when uh son, son of Sam you know uh, it killed six people and wounded seven others in this terrorist raid through New York, and probably be, still became the most—not in terms of numbers, but it's the most infamous serial killer ever, the one that everybody is based on. And uh, so, I, uh, my book is about my character, Claire Carlson, a TV journalist chasing a serial killer, but I wanted to, you know, twist it and make it a different kind of serial killer. So, 
Son of Sam was the, the classic kind we see in movies and books who's writing notes to the media and taunting the police and telling how many people he's killed and how many he's going to kill. And my serial killer in the book is like a totally under the radar. And the point is he's been murdering people for like 30 years, murdered up to 20 people. And nobody ever made the connection because they were, all thought they were individual murders. And I, I thought that was just an interesting uh, angle. And it's, you know, Claire puts that together and then goes after the serial killer. And the other murder you referred to, um, it starts. So the first murder in the, in the chain that gets her going is a murder of a young girl uh, in a small town in Indiana that was never solved. And uh, that was actually inspired by the fact that when I was growing up in suburban Cleveland, uh, there was a very famous murder there in the 60s of a young girl in a house in a totally safe suburban neighborhood. And somebody like murdered her in her bed. No one ever solved it. And, it, you know, by far the biggest crime that ever happened, you know, in my community when I was a kid, and it was never solved. And, uh, I'm going back time and time again, just checking, and it's like one of those cold cases that will probably never be solved. So, again, I'm a novelist, so I'm like, well, I'm going to solve it, you know. <laughs> so it's not that case, but it's a case like that. And I took that, and I came up with a reason for it. So uh, uh, most of my books have those elements, but of course, it's it's all fiction because you you can't just repeat the story. You then have to put your own twist on it and and make it interesting to the reader. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your heroine, Claire Carlson, is kind of an interesting character among journalism uh, heroes yeah. and mysteries because she's kind of a producer. So she's something with somewhat of management, but she's also breaking stories at the same time. And it's well, an interesting me, mix. Me, yeah. Well, a lot of times. A lot of times people say, that, oh, that's really brilliant. You made her a news director. You know, it's not. It, a lot of times things aren't for any reason um you stumble into things so, but i'll before that let me just explain for people who haven't read the claire carlson series this is the third and yeah she's a tv journalist in new york and uh she basically combines a lot of the elements good and bad of, of so many journalists i work with over the years which you know and probably even some of my own elements which is this this tremendous energy and integrity and a uh, determination to break the big story and the competitiveness against the other media and she's really really good at her job uh but you know it's difficult to be good at everything and so her personal life is kind of a nightmare and a mess and she makes a lot of bad decisions and she's she's a very you know she's a very flawed character which i love and I, i've had people say like you know i, I there are parts i really like her, but there are other times I just want to like shake her and throttle her because she makes me so mad by doing stupid things. And I figure, okay, well, I've done a good job as an author then because I've gotten those emotions out of you. Um, and so, yeah, she's the news director of, of the station. Um, and the reason she is, is because the first book in the series, which is called Yesterday News, Yesterday's News, was originally going to be a standalone. It was not meant to be a series. And it kind of worked for the book that she was the news director. Um, and then um, when that book was finished, the publishers, the people I work for, put the books out in Ocean View. They called me up and they're like, well, you know, what's the next one going to be? You're going to do, do a series, right? And of course, like any author, you're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So suddenly Claire became a series. This is the third. There's more coming. Um, but now I had her as news director. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, Bill, news directors don't go out and chase stories. So you got to kind of figure out a way why she's out on the street. So in every book, I, I've had to like 
figure out a reason. And in this book, it's because like a mentor of hers is killed and murdered. And so she feels personal responsibility to look into it herself. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit, I, I guess you could compare it a little bit like uh, Macmillan and Wife, the TV show, because he was the police commissioner, but he would be out, you know, with Susan St. James doing stories. But again, it, it wasn't intentional. But I think with any mystery, you need to, you gotta, you gotta have that suspension of belief because I, I've made the point in, in, in a number of interviews that um, in all my years in journalism, and this is, I don't ever remember one case in which a journalist single-handedly saw the murder ever you know uh they may work with the police or whatever but no journalist has ever solved a murder that i knew um and yet in my book it happens every book and in everybody else journalist book because it's fiction you know and you can't i can't have claire sitting in an office i need to have her out there doing stuff so um it's uh, yeah it gets a it, it it's 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 a challenge but so far i think i've, I've hopefully been able to pull it off Oh, yeah. But it's also a case where she's not only dealing with, of course, the, the, the breaking news, but she's having to deal with management. She's having to deal with a consultant yeah. that came and in. Fun. And, the, and the, 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 the on-air anchors, I thought, was particularly funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two on-air anchors, and they have an affair. You know, there's also, and they're jealous of each other. And, and so a lot of this comes from my own background, because I was, I was, I mean, everyone starts out as a reporter. Most of my career, I was a manager running people. And uh, I mean, there's I, one of the favorite things that I love to do in these books is to write the news, the news meeting, because the news meeting is where everybody at a newspaper or TV, you know, they get together and they talk about stories and there's, you know, all the colorful stuff going on. And then if you think back, even uh, like something all the presidents mean, you see Ben Bradley with his feet up. I've been in a million of those meetings and that is, um, that is what I try and bring to this book, the kind of insanity of these meetings, not just the news, but the colorful stuff that goes on, the crazy arguments that go on. And when I've been doing the, you know, a lot of times people, some of you read this and they'll be like, oh, well, that, that would never happen. I was like, oh yeah, because it did, you know, because I was at a meeting where somebody did something even crazier. So, um, uh, so yes, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. But the other thing about Claire to remember for people who haven't read it is, um, so she's basically a newspaper reporter. She started as a newspaper reporter. So she brings like a real news values to it as opposed to somebody who's started out in TV. And as a newspaper person, I just, you know, she, I just, I, I wanted her to have that. I didn't want her just to be a TV person. So uh, there's a lot of times she gets very frustrated with the TV news business because it's not the way she remembers newspapers being, but of course, as we know, newspapers aren't the way they were anyway now, and um, so she has to deal with a lot of this, the change in the, um, the change in the, in, 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 in what's going on in the media around us. Yeah, and Claire also, that's the one thing that impressed me about, about reading um, The Last Scoop, is how packed with story there is because there's a backstory to Claire as well that plays out over the three books. Yeah. And I thought that yeah, again, yeah. you were, you were, you're very effective in juggling all these storylines so that, you know, we're always, we're always with yeah. you and we're always with Claire as she's going <laughs> through the book. Well, um, when you write a series that that's always an issue. Um, and it, it becomes a bigger issue as the series goes on and you, the more you have more books uh, because 
on the one hand, and I've really tried to do this, and I, I believe I've succeeded because a lot of people have said it, this book can be read as a standalone. I mean, you can pick up the last scoop and you don't have to have read the first two and you can look at it because the story is, the main plot is completely on its own. Um, but obviously there has to be references to things that have happened to Claire in the past. And uh, you want to throw these in so they kind of are intriguing to the reader, even though the reader might not know exactly what it's all about. And at the same time, you want to avoid like spoilers of things that might have happened in the first two books. So if they go back and read them, so people will say, you know, well, should I start at the first book and read all three? And like I, in an ideal situation, I would say, yeah, that's, I think that's true of any series. Um, but, you know, I, I I, I read a lot of series and, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, Harry Bosch or, you know, or, you know, or, or I read, you know, all the kids, I'm a big series person. When I get somebody I love and I just keep reading them. And uh, the thing, the, the thing about that is, is you can read a book and you can read it out of order. And it, you know, it, it shouldn't bother you. Um, uh, uh, it does get uh, you know, <laughs> with every with every book, it gets uh, it gets harder, and you have to keep going back to check. Say, well, what did I say? Now, how old was that kid in the first book? You know, and uh, because some reader is going to point and has pointed out to me, uh, like you got something wrong. You know, like you you did this in this book. You know, so yeah, and uh, I think it's more important. I guess it it was more important to point out. There's no. I don't want to say there's no surprises in Claire's story, but you know what the problem is. You're just looking at her resolving it. It's just more about the journey than the revelation of what of what of what happened in Claire's well, life think, thirty years think, ago in a way. So that's yeah, why you can jump yeah, in. I mean right. In terms of her personal story, yeah. in terms of the plot. Uh, there's a lot of twists, you know, uh, and generally uh, in the last scoop, as in most of the books, she she herself is in some kind of jeopardy. And of course, you know, as as many authors have pointed out, I mean, one of the things of doing a series is though. Uh, so if you if I'm doing a standalone, there's always the possibility that my protagonist is going to get killed at the end of the book. I mean, that is possible. Uh, if you're doing a series, you kind of pretty know. I mean, like when you're reading Lee Child, you're pretty sure Jack Reacher, no matter what trouble he's in, is going to get out of it. Uh, so, uh, I mean, unless somebody was going to make a dramatic end to the series, which, uh, you know, um, so, uh, but you still, you still want to put the person in jeopardy because I think uh, um, in most books they're, they're I mean, I'm the kind of person who writes a mystery where, you know, it's not all cerebral. A lot of it is, but, you know, there's got to be certain kinds of violent confrontation. There's got to be threats. Uh, I generally have some sort of a showdown at the end. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a closed room mystery where Claire gets in a room and goes around the room and tells people it's more going to be like a car chase or a gunfight or something, something like that. Yeah. And, the, and in scenes like those, it's always a question, not will she survive it, but how does she get her out, herself out of that situation? That's what makes it, that's what makes it tense. And in the last scoop, um, you know, as without giving away spoilers, I mean, you know, she winds up in a confrontation with this serial killer and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it's pretty interesting, I thought. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's the biggest part of a book. I mean, um, when you're writing the book, 
the beginning is easy. You sort of set up and then you kind of got to go through all the middle and set up, you know, I generally be asking a million, like I raise all these questions that I figure out I got to answer at the end. But then one of the biggest things for, for a mystery, at least the kind of mysteries that I write and, and I read is you've got to, you got to, you got to have a big ending. You know, you've got to have a, a, a confrontation of some kind. Uh, that's not just her, uh, turning to somebody in the room and saying, oh, I know you did it and that's it. Um, so that, and, and I think in this book, even more than the others, I mean, the, the, the climax at the end and the confrontation is, is, pretty, uh, is pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another element that sets Claire apart is her relationship with the truth because she starts and ends the book talking about lies and talking about truth, both yeah. in regard to the news business yeah. and herself. Uh, she's, she's very concerned yeah. about the truth, but also how she decides to use it. Because sometimes she doesn't tell well, the truth. Yeah, no, no. Well, she just a lot of things. I mean, uh, she's uh, somewhat, yeah, somebody said for somebody who's so upset about the truth, she lies a lot. Uh, and she's also, she's also what is, I believe, what has become a kind of popular term these days, really since Gone Girl, is she's very much an unreliable narrator because a lot of times it's not like she's lying to the reader because it's all coming through Claire's voice. It's just she's not telling you everything. You know, she's telling you so you think you know the truth, but you don't know the whole truth. And that certainly started um, with the first book. But the bottom line is, um, in terms of basic integrity, she's got it. I mean, she, she, she really believes in the truth. She really believes in integrity, even though it sometimes takes her a while to figure out the best way to get that. And that all comes because when I was creating the character, uh, and I, you know, you and I were talking earlier, Bill, and I, I, you had some questions for me about like, well, you know, how did you start out? What did you read? You know, well, I started out reading, you know, uh, Raymond Chandler. That was the first mystery I ever read. So I started reading Philip Marlowe. And the one thing that comes across with Philip Marlowe, apart from all the other wonderful stuff Chandler did, was the integrity. I mean, he, for whatever word, he was just, he, you know, he was this honest guy who always did the right thing, even if it was against the law, but he was doing the right thing. And, and even in, you know, TV people, I mean, my favorite crime TV show, still watch it, reruns is uh, The Rockford Files, because Jim Rockford, you know, he would break the law, he would break into stuff, but he was, uh, you know, he was basically this good, honest guy. And if you think about it, um, you know, most of our, most of our, most of the people, the heroes, mystery heroes, certainly ones, I mean, you look at uh, Matt Scudder, Kinsey Malone, you know, uh, Spencer, I mean, Spencer's like a, from Robert B. Parker, he's like, almost like a, like an old knight, I mean, doing the right thing no matter what, even though he kills people and does stuff. So, um, that element was the most important thing, and that's why I, like, I have her talk about the integrity a lot, because, so when she does something wrong or when she lies, or when she breaks into something or breaks the law to do something, I want people to accept it because they know that she's basically a good person and basically they like her. And to some degree, I like to think that all Claire's flaws um, make her actually more likable than if she didn't have them. Because I mean, let's face it. I mean, who, who likes a character who's perfect? I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. we like the flaws in our being, I think. I, I do. And, uh, um, cause I think it helps us, uh, helps us relate to them. Yeah. It's like, who do you want to follow Superman or Batman? 
Superman, yeah, he's a wonderful guy, but Batman well, has I, cool know, I, stuff. <laughs> well, I tell this, uh, I've told this story uh, because I always remember it. I was on a panel with um, uh, a number of years ago where I met Reed, Reed Fell Coleman. And Reed Fell Coleman has done a lot of great books, but he uh, was writing the, um, the Jesse Stone series after for the Robert Parker estate uh, after Robert Parker died. And uh, he was saying that writing Jesse Stone was one of the toughest characters to write. And the question, well, why? Because he's so good. He's so perfect. I mean, you think about it, Jesse Stone, he's, he's good looking, he's tough, he's smart, he's got integrity, he's a great guy, and he looks like Tom Selleck. Because when you're reading the books, we're all seeing the TV movies with Tom Selleck. So, you know, he, so Reed was saying, that's like, a, so how do you do that character? Well, you give him flaws. So he's an alcohol, he's got a drinking problem, which gets him screwed up. He's got a marital problem. He, he wound up divorcing, he misses his wife, you know. Um, he had a big athletic career, but it got tragically short-circuited because of, a, of an injury, you know. So you need to do these things, even in the most perfect person, because uh, the flaws are, uh, the flaws are, are what make them, what make them real. Yeah. Yeah, and it certainly makes for much more compelling reading as well, because they do things that sometimes, like uh, when, when Claire's barging into the uh, the DA's office going past, uh, I shouldn't say this, but yeah. Chad was such a wonderful yeah. character. You wanted to say, you know, yes, she's breaking social boundaries, but she's doing it in a good cause, <laughs> and she shows up that idiot, and you just go, yes, that's great. Yeah, well... There's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of what what Claire does and says that um, as I'm writing him I'm thinking yeah I, I wish I had the guts to do that like I would never do in real life but when you're doing it and uh, when you're doing it in the uh, in in a character uh, it, it's kind of fun I mean you know like like she's threat she, she'll threaten to quit or something unless something's done yeah. and like I I wouldn't do that in real life I wasn't gonna walk away. But but it's a kind of a cool thing in the in the thing. But again, it's 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 fiction. And if you if you do, and you know, Bill, you're a journalist, and you you know this. It, it, people always say, oh well, this is a this is a real authentic look at what a journalist's life is like. And I'm like, well, not really, because you know, to be honest, most journalists' life are kind of boring. I mean, you go to work every day, you do some stories. It's like you know, you don't have a big story every day. You know. It, it's like any job, you know, there are days, you know, you don't feel like being there, but I mean, in a, in a, in a mystery novel, you goes in, there's a story, there's something happening because that's, you know, that's just what, what fiction is. So it's, it's kind of like the, the life of a journalist as you, as, a, as I imagine it. Um, and I certainly bring in real life things from it, but, uh, you know, day to day, my life in journalism was not as interesting as Claire Carlson's. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You're on the periphery of events because you helped at the star. You helped direct the coverage of the O.J. murder case. Um, you had the uh, you were part of the headless body and topless bar story. Even though you didn't write the headline, oh, I did a lot of great things. Yeah, you know, I've been involved in a lot. Of, yeah, headless body and topless bar was. Uh, I didn't write it, but I was part of that that whole story, and that became the most famous New York Post headline ever. Um, yeah. So, uh, but it, it's like. 
that would be one day. So in a, in a mystery novel, you're kind of like, so you, you take an OJ and Headless Body and all these other great things that I was involved in, and you kind of put them together into one big thing. Because, you know, in between all these events, there's a lot of days when you're covering uh, board of estimate meetings or something, which are, you know, yeah. not, not, not the kind of thing that would keep pages turning in a mystery novel. You know? <laughs> yeah, but in a way, what Claire does for part of the story when she's not directly investigating, you did with the Headless Body thing. Because without your pushing the reporters to confirm something, you wouldn't have had that wonderful headline, right? Yeah, well, the, the short story on that, that is, and I've written about this, somebody wants to go online and, and Google me and, and Headless Body, because I've actually written about this a couple times for NBC and other places, uh, because it became so famous, but uh, they, uh, the managing editor at the time, uh, a man who uh, named Vincent Musetta, who was like the most, probably the most famous headline writer of all the tabloid headlines that they post, who wrote many of the great ones. And he had this great idea. He came, I walked in the morning, it was like six o'clock. He had, he walks over to me, I've got this great headline. There's a body in a bar or whatever. I want to, I want to do, and the, the head was cut off. And I want to write a headline, headless body in topless bar. And everybody's, oh, it's a great headline. And then he said, but I'm not sure it's a topless bar. I think it is, but I'm not sure. You got to find out. So we spent the rest of the day. Now, you know, it isn't like today where you just Google it and you look online and you find YouTube. You know, it wasn't like that. I mean, there was nothing like that. You had to do all the old fashioned stuff. You had to get a reverse directory. You had to call people in the neighborhood and see what they knew. And you had, a, um, and you had to... Uh, uh, you know, and eventually got to call the police. They weren't sure, you know, because it wasn't a topless bar per se, but they might have had some topless dancing there. And in the end, I sent a um, reporter there, Marilyn Matlick, and she's part of this story too, a terrific reporter I worked with at the Post. And this would have been 1983, I think. I sent her there and she said, look, it's all closed up. There's no indication of top. There's, you know, I don't know. There's nothing here that indicates it's topless dance. It's just a bar and it's closed. And, uh, and she said, well, let me try one more thing. And she went around the back and she crawled up on a garbage can and peered in a dirty window. And she saw a sign that said top topless dancing tonight. And so she called me and that was it. And the headline went. So, uh, that's, and, and, you know, and people still talk about that headline today. So, and then, you know, so it's just, uh, it's it's a, it's it's just funny how how things work out. Oh, absolutely. And I spent 23 years on the copy desk writing headlines and I wish I had one as good as that. Unfortunately, it just never well, came. You know, I think the, the, there's an argument. The argument has always been that the um the, the maybe the best tabloid headline which I didn't have was involved in uh was the daily news uh in the 70s when it was you know, Ford to new york drop dead uh and that was always you know that was on they wouldn't ask for money Ford to new york colon drop dead and that that is a classic and then headless body on a different level is a classic but uh and those are probably the two most famous tabloid headlines that um that i remember you know in in my career now there were a million i mean we had so many tabloid headlines many of them brilliant mm. many of them probably not in the best of taste you know uh and uh uh you know like uh i mean and some of them were just coming mean, i remember like with you know, we had one with Gaddafi. Gaddafi goes daffy you know stuff like that you know like just all this stuff but it would grab people in and we would sell like uh we would sell like um, a million i think we sold close to a million copies a day in the 80s and that's where people got all their news they got their news from newspapers because um, not only was there no internet, but there weren't really any news channels then. I mean, there was the beginnings of CNN, but you didn't have 24-hour news everywhere. You just, you had the local channels, the network news, and, you know, at night, and you had newspapers. 
Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> well, as so I, I think in a way that what the Claire Carlson series does and your other journalism related books is you take right. a career, maybe a career of five reporters and kind of mush them down to all the highlights because it oh, does yeah. take something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because journalists, in order to be good, have to have, like the, you know, the reporter you sent to the bar, you have to be able to kind of right. do a little bit of rule bending, boundary breaking, initiative, and sometimes just yeah. sheer balls to do something. And that's, um, yeah. journalism is a different profession from anything but else. It is on the, but, I, you know, and, and so much what I try and, yeah, yes, the answer is yes, I do basically mush a lot of people together because, you know, the, the question everybody asks me is like, oh, is that me? Is that supposed to be me? Is Claire Carlson me? Or is that, you know, and, and you know, the point is it never, I mean, it, it, it is, there are elements of certain people. I know who they are, but every once in a while, I'll, and I, but I'll use um, anecdotes that people have done or stories about people in here and somebody be like, oh my gosh, that, that was me. And I'll, and then I'll say to them, yeah, I, like I'll, I took that from you. And one of the, one of my favorite ones, uh, you know, I think very quickly is uh, we had a very young reporter on tryout uh, named uh, Ann Bollinger, who's now a journalism professor and became a great reporter. But she was on tryout, didn't know who she was. She was some kid who came in on tryout. And we were trying to get an interview and nobody could get the interview. And she walked over to me and said, I got the interview. And we ran it. It was like a big page one story. And I walked over to her afterwards. And I said, how did you get that interview? That person wasn't going to talk to anybody. And she said, well, I called them up and they hung up on me. I said, okay. She said, so I, I called them again. I said, what happened? They hung up. Anyway, it goes on like this. And she said, I called them uh, 13 times and they hung up every time. And I was like, so how did you get the interview? So on the 14th call, they talked to me. And I was always struck by that. Like, how do you know that would have made 14 phone calls? I mean, most people would have made one, maybe two. They would have stopped, you know. And that this woman had the, the tenacity to just keep at it through 14 phone calls and get the story. So I, I use that story in one of my books, and, and I, try and, I try and convey that feeling, too, of what, of what it's like to be a journalist, in, especially in New York, where there's so much competition and, and there's so much, like, I want to get the story first, uh, and there's so much pressure to do that. Uh, and it, more than anything, I think that's, that's what I hope comes through in these books, that you get this feel of what a kind of crazy world that Claire Carlson lives in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are we going to hear more from Claire in the future? Yes, I hope so. So, uh, uh, yeah, here's the last scoop. I think you're going to see it. There it is. Yep. Uh, that just came out in, uh, that just came out in um, uh, this, well, in May, May 5th, actually. Um, and uh, there will be another Claire Carlson next year called Beyond the Headlines. And I've actually finished that. And that's actually off to the publishers now. Uh, and that'll be out in the spring of uh, whatever it is, 2021. And um, um, again, it's called Beyond the Headlines. And that's, you know, Claire, again, doing her thing. That involves a kind of super celebrity who marries a billionaire. And the billionaire winds up murdered on the first pages of the book. And Claire basically has to decide whether the super celebrity killed him or she's being railroaded. And, and it leads her into all sorts of adventures. And... Um, you know, there also will be another one after that. Uh, so we're, you know, I'm just getting it, uh, getting started with an, uh, which would be like a fifth Claire for after that. So uh, she's going to be around a while, I hope, and I hope, uh, I hope people enjoy it. And like I say, if you, if you read one, 
Uh, you can always go back and start at the beginning, or you can start at the beginning. But um, I, you know, I, I, I think the last scoop works as, as enough as a standalone story about a serial killer that you could, if you haven't read any, you can just pick that one up and then go from there. Yeah, it worked for me. And because we're sponsored by Mechanicsburg, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you have another series, an earlier series featuring Gil Malloy, of which uh, yeah, we have a yeah. couple of copies of those books available at Mechanicsburg. My Gilmaloy is also a newspaper. I tend to write about what I know. Gilmaloy is a newspaper reporter who works for the New York Daily News. And, you know, he's a lot, he's different in the sense he's a man and he's, uh, he works at a newspaper, but, uh, uh, you know, the stories are, you know, are still the kind of the, the rip from the headlines. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, I've, um, I've made a, a couple of appearances, both at uh, the bookstore itself and then also at events uh, that, you know, uh, Deb, the owner, has run. And it's, we've had some great, great times there, and she's been super supportive. And I've met, I've met, a, it, it, the interesting thing about the bookstore is, like, you know, you, you meet some of the same people each time because it's a real dedicated group of, of people who show up at this thing. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've had, I've had people come up and say, oh, that was great, but you didn't, what about that story you told last time? You know, I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, so uh, um, I really look forward to, uh, to being able to, to do that again. And it's a, I'm in New York, so it's a, it's a nice little, it's a nice little drive out there. It takes me to a whole other area outside New York. But uh, right now, of course, we're all, um, we're all, uh, here in New York anymore, we're all still stuck uh, stuck inside. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you again, our, our, uh, Dick. Um, how, if they want to learn more Thanks, about man. you and your books, where can they find you? you have yeah, a website? Well, my, web, my website is uh, www.rgbelsky.com, just like it sounds. Uh, and most of the latest stuff will be there, including links to buy and events and things like that. Uh, I'm on Facebook as uh, R.G. Belsky. If you, as, I'm on Facebook as Dick Belsky, but I'm also uh, R.G. Belsky is my author page, so you can find me either way there. Um, and on Twitter, as uh, it's a little weird, it's at Dick Bell, D-I-C-K, and then capital B-E-L, and that's the uh, the Twitter handle. So. Um, yeah, I think you'll, you'll find more, more than enough uh, information <laughs> about me there. Or you can Google me, as I say. You'll find a lot about the books, and you'll find a lot of – and you'll find a few things about Headless, Headless Body and Topless Bar and a few other journalistic uh, events along the way, too. So, um, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've been around. I had a bit of history. So, it, you know, hopefully people will find it all interesting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Dick, it was much fun talking with you. I know we didn't even get into some of the other stuff we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the true crime cases, <laughs> the Mick Jagger antidote, yeah. but we could save that for next time. Okay? That's right. And OJ. And, and oh, OJ. gosh. Yes, OJ, too. I mean, we could have gone for another 20 minutes on, on all, all right. this. So. All right. Well, tell, 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 tell Deb to, to invite me back as soon as the bookstore is open and I'll tell all the stories again. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. And this is Bill Paschal. And this is the Mechanicsburg Mystery Bookshop presents a conversation with Dick Belsky. Dick, thank you very much. And have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you. This was Mechanicsburg Mystery Bookshop presents a conversation with R.G. Belsky. For more information about events at the store, or to order Mr. Belsky's books, visit our website at www.mysterybooksonline.com. And thank you for listening.